of all machines. God meshes good and evil. Accept this blood of my blood. Welcome to Now Playing's The Mangler Movie Retrospective Series. And I am investigating a laundry machine with a bad case of demon possession. A part of the Now Playing Stephen King Podcast Review Series. Good things will come. Hosted by Jacob. My hero. Stuart. If I let you do this, do you promise to stop killing people? And Arnie. If you're not careful, you'll end up like me. This podcast will contain detailed plot spoilers and harsh language. My God, who art thou? Cursed be thy name. Fuck you. Listener discretion is advised. Time's a waste. Tick tock, tick tock, tick. <laughs> Today we're discussing The Mangler Reborn, starring Amy Brooks, Weston Blakesley, Juliana Deaver, and directed by Eric Gardner and Matt Cunningham. I'm Arnie, the co-host of Now Playing, who promises you good things will come. Not in this podcast, but eventually good things will come. <laughs> Tell me when, please, because I can't bear any more of this horrible, horrible Night Shift The Mangler series, Stuart in L.A., this is Jacob. I'm an asshole. I know it. I admit it. Who would have thought after last week's Mangler 2 that there would be a Mangler 3? <laughs> Who would have thought that they're going to go back to Mangler 1 for Mangler 3? <laughs> they're completing the cycle. They're closing the story, answering questions. Yeah, you amused me with the idea of they wanted to capitalize on the success of the first one. Can we all agree that well, this is supposed to recover after Mangler 2? They're going to fix the errors of Mangler 2 and, and get back to the goodness that was the original Mangler? What could be the thought process? I can't begin to imagine. I know that there's behind-the-scenes commentary and such. Arnie, I, I look for you to explain to me why we have to deal with a third Mangler. Was this a dollar baby? It looks like it. <laughs> I w was thinking about dollar babies quite a lot when we were watching this. But no, this was a actual studio production. Lionsgate Films ended up with the rights this time. Mm. And contacted Matt Cunningham and Eric Gardner, who had done some work before in horror and genre no. films. No, they haven't. They did odd jobs. They were PAs. This is the one compliment I've got from Mangler Reborn. Congratulations to Matt Cunningham and Eric Gardner for going from zero to whatever. <laughs> I don't know if this is 50, but they at least are directing a Stephen King movie for having a resume of absolutely nothing. Wait, wait. It took two people to direct this? <laughs> And write it. I don't know much about directing. You know, I know you have the main director. Sometimes you have a, you know, second one to do some pickup shots. They don't need two directors for this. Listen, Matt Cunningham had done a trauma film. Okay. Okay. It's starting to make sense. Decapitated. <laughs> <laughs> so they went to them and according to what I've read said, would you like to make a Mangler film? <laughs> you have $200,000. Go. What? 
This movie cost $200,000? No, he got himself a new house, and they spent the rest on the film. No, no, no. That house has a story. That house is used for a lot of movie productions, mostly porn. Mm. And they rented this house who rents out to whoever wants it. The owner is living there with them, saying, do you mind if I use the shower in between your shots? (laughs) I honestly, uh, you, now this was 2005, so it was too early for the housing crash. I thought they might have just used some foreclosed <laughs> on abandoned house. <laughs> Vacant lot? Yeah. Salem's lot here? Yeah, maybe. If you want to find out more about the owner of this house and the porn and the showers and the rules he put on their production, that's <laughs> what most of the commentary is about. Wow. So this was filmed in L.A., I'm taking it, if it's a porn house. Van Nuys? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that is the area. Somewhere in Los Angeles, this house was done. Yeah, north of L.A., yes. You know it's L.A. I mean, how else do you get Reggie Bannister in your film? Reggie Bannister, only because of the glories of IMDb, was was I able to link him up with the child star of Phantasm. I actually had seen him in Bubba Hotep, so I was actually aware of who he was. I've seen that film, too. uh, Yeah, not drawing connections with anyone acting in this film. And Weston Blakesley, he's a character actor who I've just, I recognized his face from a ton of stuff. I could never say he was in this specific thing, but he's done a lot. Yeah, look at how we're sliding here. We started with Robert <laughs> England, then we went to Lance Hendrickson, and now you're naming people that I, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, Weston Blakesley is the lowest of the three. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's the studio wanted a cheap Mangler film. Congratulations. These guys were given the task. Did they want to write and direct it? I mean, it's Hollywood. Do you turn down a directing gig if you want to be a director? No, no, no. I I encourage them to write it. Please. I'm still waiting. Where's the script? This is a premise for a movie. There's a guy that's kidnapping people and taking them to his house to put in his recycled washing machine but there is no story here there are no character arcs in this story at all this is a complete failure of storytelling in this movie they have a premise they don't have a plot and to prove my theory arnie you try to (laughs) mangle one out you want a premise summary (laughs) yes i do After the events of the first Mangler film, the evil laundry machine was dismantled, but its parts sold at auction for a very high price. I'm guessing the 200000 <laughs> needed to make the film. <laughs> because everyone likes to collect killer washing machine parts. You'd be surprised what these psychopath collectors will buy. But apparently whoever paid the high price then threw it away because somehow the pieces came into the hands of a repairman named Hadley who's seemingly obsessed with the machine. But when he cuts his hand repairing the mechanical clothes press, the machine comes to life and pulls him in, seemingly killing him. But Hadley is reborn as part of the Mangler and begins to feed bodies to the deadly machine, starting with his own wife. He goes out on service calls, kidnapping his female customers to bring back, smash in the head with his rubber mallet, and feed in the machine so he can drink their blood. From outside Hadley's house, there's no signs of the depraved carnage happening within, so father and son burglar team Rick and Mike decide to break into the house. Rick goes in and finds a little of value, but discovering Jamie, Hadley's most recent victim, locked in a room inside, he tries to escape, 
and finds the house is a trap from which there is no exit, and he's killed by Hadley. Mike goes in to try to find his father and becomes trapped in the house. He tries to escape and fails and then decides to help Jamie escape as well as Hadley's daughter Louise who just happened to show up for a visit. One by one, everyone is unable to escape the house no matter how many keys they have. (laughs) And they're fed to the machine until it's just Jamie and Hadley fighting at the machine. Both are sucked in together, seemingly killed, but Hadley is part of the machine and so he emerges again ready to find new blood for the mangler. As credits roll. And just barely eking over the 80-minute mark, I want to point out. I mean, they just barely cleared what you could be used to call a feature here. This feels like almost the same thing as Jonah Hex. They barely had enough going on here to release this as a feature film. And yet I was shocked when I looked and saw it was only 80 minutes. I swore at least two (laughs) hours had gone by. I was happy with just 80 minutes. This was one of those movies, and they're rare on now playing. I didn't hit fast forward like Stuart with RoboCop, (laughs) but I did leave the countdown timer in the corner for about half the film. (laughs) Now, Arnie, you talked about this auction, and it was disassembled. I know we got a lot of headlines at the beginning of this film. Literally cut and paste jobs. You you could see they had a newspaper article and then like type something out on the computer and paste it over the headline. I think it was an Avery label, actually. <laughs> Is this where we were supposed to get what happened to the previous Mangler? I, yes. I don't know. It, Hadley doesn't speak a whole lot, and I wasn't paying too much attention to these headlines except, oh, they're tying this to the original film. This was a big trend. I got to say, it started with Seven, and these credits are a ripoff of Seven. But Yeah, it's weird. I did get that vibe, too, and I don't associate Seven with something like this. Well, yeah, but there was a movement in the mid-90s to let the credit sequence be part of the storytelling, to catch people up on exposition if they wanted to pay attention to what was going on in the background. I think that, yeah, that's exactly it. If you want to tie back to that first movie, you can find them in the newspaper clippings that are underneath the typography (laughs) put on by the credit makers. Now, I'm going to give this movie a rare compliment. These opening credits have some actually really kind of mood-inducing music over them, too. It's very unsettling. It might be the scariest thing in this film is just the mood that this opening music put me in watching this in a darkened room. I'd expect no less from Climax Golden Twins, the credited score makers. I just heard a lot of churning, Arnie. I wouldn't even call this music. I thought it was actually a washing machine. <laughs> well, it has a <laughs> nice little aura to it. You know what I was going back to wasn't Seven, but kind of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original, and its use of tone and to evoke mood, and it is used effectively in the first half of this film. Um, uh, okay. Yeah. All right. You like the turning. All right. That's, uh, we can leave it at that. But yeah, uh, typography is doing a lot to try and catch us up with anything that's going on. I also want to add the first thing we see is a dictionary definition of possession, because that's the only way that you're going to know what's wrong (laughs) with our lead character. They don't trust us to get that. Yeah. I wouldn't have gotten that. I still don't get it. (laughs) Yeah. If this were the first time I was watching this movie, I would think that he was just slow or a psychopath or something. I would not think that there was a demon in the pieces that made him, 
I, did he stick his hand in there accidentally, or was he urged to do it? Was this him joining with the machine, like in the first movie? He did not want to die, and he is killed. He is not possessed. Whatever comes out of there isn't human. Yeah, I was confused. I, I got the idea that he was possessed. He's talking to this machine. You're not hearing another. I, I don't know. I thought that was real obvious. What I was confused with when he, he sticks his arm in there, or gets stuck in there. Is that a dream? Is he going to come back as a robot? I think he comes back as a robot. It's not too clear. I mean, that was confusing to me because we're, we're going to have to wait a while to see what actually became of Hadley. But possession... Yeah, there, there's something about this machinery that is talking to him and making him obsess and collect all the parts and rebuild whatever this is. I, I don't know how you're going to get that giant mangler on the second floor of this house. That's going to fall right through, but... It's got kind of a Hellraiser quality to it. You know, like, Hellraiser, we haven't done that series, and I don't know how. I don't know how we do Mangler before we do Hellraiser. <laughs> but one of the frustrating things for me about Clyde Barker's vision is that everyone wants to get inside this box. They're like, ah, oh, I can't wait to do it. Let's get me in this box. I've heard about this box. It's going to be so cool. And the second that they do, they're like, oh, my God, I got to get away from this box for the rest of the movie here. We're supposed to think that he assembled all these parts because... Because he loved the Mangler's evil spirit and wanted to commune with it. And then for the rest of it, was he an accomplice? Was he possessed? Was he doing things against his will? Did he not want to kill his wife? I couldn't tell you. I took it as he was obsessed with the machine for reasons unknown. He talked to the machine and the machine seemingly talked back because we know it is possessed. That's what I thought possession was is the Mangler was possessed. It came out of the first movie, possessed by a demon. And no matter what, at least the people who made this one gave the original more thought than the people who made the Mangler 2. But You're not going to get me to say that this is better than <laughs> Mangler 2. Sorry. <laughs> Jacob, can I get you on that one? No. All right. Well, no. I'm I'm no. I'm I'm, I'm going to say that I think this one has more ambition. The Mangler too. <laughs> uh, what is your definition of ambition? I have you looked that up in the dictionary? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so when he is killed, he's screaming and being cut up like all of his victims. Whatever comes out of there, it's not Hadley. It somehow knows how to fix washing machines, but it's not Hadley. He has no remorse about killing his wife. There must be some bit of him left because he still says good things will come, but he is just the agent of the mangler from that moment on he is a tool i see I, but going back to robert england because we must because we're calling this a series <laughs> there was a whole thing about if you lose a body part into the machine then uh you have this sort of faustian deal where you live forever but you rot and so you have to keep throwing people into the machine to not rot as fast or something. I never quite figured out that first movie. Right, but that's if you lose a part. But Adele, who went in whole hog, didn't become anything but meat. And here, Headley goes in completely. He doesn't lose a finger. He's eaten. Maybe this is a synthesis between Mangler and Mangler 2, that you got the machine from Mangler 1, and it's turning you into robots, like at the end of Mangler 2. Maybe that's what's going on. <laughs> Maybe. This is really bringing everything full circle. It, I do feel that, don't you? It, it's ambitious. <laughs> yeah, I do, I do feel like it's really drawing something to a close. <laughs>
later, of course, he's going to put the blood of his victims onto his morning cereal and eat it. That's to keep his body from rotting. I mean, there is a carryover. That's what Wiki tells me. Is that actually in the movie? Yeah, he drinks blood. Yeah, did you fall asleep during that part? <laughs> I very well. No, I saw him drink blood, but I didn't know why he drank the blood. <laughs> no, it never tells you why. That's just the assumption. Yeah, you, he looks in the mirror. There's something wrong with his eye, and then he goes and eats blood cereal, and then his eye's better. So I do feel like they're keeping that relationship as incoherent as it was in the first film. It's just as much, if not more so now, but call it what you must. Possession, a demon spirit that's totally different from what we saw before, it hardly matters. This is the mangler. He is the machine, he'll announce, of this movie. Gotta say, worst mangler of the three. Already hating, hating, hating this movie. I'd much rather have Lance Hendrickson on marionette strings or Robert England jumping around on leg braces than seeing this guy. You were there already yes. at this point? Oh, no, yes. Oh, God, yes. no. All right. I'm going to defend this goddamn movie, and I hate being put in that position. Already, stop it. It's April Fool's. It's April 1st. You're playing a joke on us. Stop this. <laughs> I'm watching this movie, and for the first half hour 45 minutes i'm thinking about all of these independent films i've seen i'm thinking about crispin glover's it is fine everything is fine i'm thinking about desperado by robert rodriguez no you're not oh my god so your mind was wandering basically is what you're saying admittedly they i'm thinking of low budget primarily independent yes i'm thinking low budget too <laughs> yeah we all are Arnie. primarily independent films that are being made by first time or very early directors and you have these long languishing silences and not a lot of score not a lot of artistic camera work not a lot of great acting but you have mood. I was thinking of some David Lynch films during some of this. No, you're not. Oh, my God. Come on. When you get this couple, Sean and Jamie, this is going to introduce us to one of the many victims. I think she's the protagonist of the film. She's the last girl, so that makes her the hero. She will be the one to make it all the way to the end. Yeah, we get this opening scene like she lost her job that day. Her husband's getting divorced. None of this matters. Like this is you were right, Stuart. There's no character arc here. This is just stuff that's thrown in her divorce. What is she learning from getting divorced or is she overcoming being a weak woman who a man wouldn't want to be with through this story? Nothing, nothing. If you introduce a husband that's leaving her in one of the first scenes, of course, that guy's going to come back and rescue her at the end. I'm waiting this whole time for the reemergence of Sean. I didn't realize that they don't have any follow through here, that there is no story to be told. That was a little disappointing that that had absolutely no point with anything. It's just there to make it seem like she's having a really shitty day. Right. It's a joke. There's nothing here that reminds me of independent film and great character moments. I mean, when she's in the shower, we get some tits. I guess that's good. First time in the series. Those aren't even her tits. <laughs> well, they're real tits. Yeah. They're a PA's tits. They belong to someone, and I enjoyed looking at them. <laughs> but 
no, I thought this was like, oh, I just got divorced. I'm going to call the plumber over and answer in my robe and bang this <laughs> dude because we don't even get a setup that there's something wrong with her washing machine. Like, it's just like cut. Hadley's there to fix something that we never knew was broken. This is not competent storytelling. And even if it was broken, is that what you're going to focus on? Seriously, if you lose your job, lose your husband in the same day, the thing you're going to worry about is your washing machine's not working. It's impossible. It's silly. And it's not established at all. And then we're expected to believe that she can be taken out by a rubber mallet. He must not be hitting her hard enough, though, because he hits her with a rubber mallet. She gets up and continues to run. Yeah, I don't know how Hadley's caught any women to be victims of the mangler. She barely fights back and wins for the most part. I mean, she survives a couple hits. She's able to almost get away. Hadley, if he's supposed to be a Terminator at this point that's been replaced with robot parts from the mangler, this is awful. Yeah. This is not scary. No. I'm still being put a little bit on edge, and now I'm thinking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The fourth one? No, the first one. (laughs) The one with Renee Zellweger? The very first one. The one you didn't recommend. The very low-budget grindhouse. Wow. Wow, Toby Hooper. I thought the worst thing you could say about him was he made the Mangler. That you're going to compare Mangler 3 to Texas Chainsaw. Wow. And the directors talked about how they wanted to go back to these classic films. And these are the films I was thinking of when I was watching. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Carpenter's original Halloween. These kinds of original moody horror films. When you've got Jamie hiding under the bed and he starts to pull her out from under, I'm not scared. I'm knowing this is not well done. What I'm seeing here is basically, Stuart, you asked about a dollar baby. If this was being done in part of the dollar baby series, I think you guys would be standing up and applauding. But because this one is the third in a very unfortunate Mangler series... No, I would actually say I would compare to what we are seeing to the Boogeyman. I'd also say unfavorably. There was a lot more mood in the Boogeyman, a 1982 $20,000 short made by a student than there is in this $200,000 production. Oh, I hate to have to kind of agree with you, Arnie. <laughs> At some point, when all this stuff is going on, yes, there is a mood that feels kind of grindhouse. It feels very gritty at times. I don't know if that was intentional. It might have just been because they didn't have any money. Okay, if this was a 10-minute dollar baby, maybe I could go with it. Not at this length. There's nothing here. But yes, there is kind of a gritty, low-budget feel to it because it is low-budget. I just don't know if that was intentional, and they don't do anything with it. It's not entertaining. But I did recognize that there is a primal aspect to it because they don't have any money for this film. You keep saying low budget. I would change that word out with amateurish, which I see there's a difference. You can have a lot of style and no money, but what we see here is the result of people not knowing what they're doing. This is incompetence here. There's no mood being crafted. There's no, I don't see any artistry at all in the assembly of these images. This is bad, bad movie making. See, I think that, and a lot of this is being done by the score and in post-production and some of the way the scenes are shot, but I really think that for the first maybe 20, 25 minutes of this film, I was thinking maybe my expectations need to be reset, and if I was watching this at, you know, again, one of those Crispin Glover film showings, maybe I'd give this a recommend, and so I reset my expectations down to that. Now, it quickly goes away, because then it starts deciding to be funny. They have a lawnmower man joke where... 
Headley is throwing Jamie in her van, and this guy who is credited as the lawn mowing man. I thought it was Randy Quaid for a second. I'm like, oh, he got some work. Maybe he <laughs> got out of trouble with the IRS. <laughs> when they do that, I'm, and he's just wearing his headphones and hearing the only the lawnmower, I'm like, oh, humor. Let's not try that. You had a thing going with your score and your grindhouse feel. No, no, no. When they were trying to knock people out with mallets, that's, I don't know. To me, that is Bugs Bunny. That a rubber mallet is your weapon. That is cartoon to me. It's like Jack in that TV Shining pulling out the Denver croquet mallet. Just, it's not scary. One of my favorite behind-the-scenes bits was they had the special effects guy actually show off how they did this effect. They're like, wow, look, there's a squib, and it's on the end of the mallet. And then he went wouldn't even show how it works because he didn't want to waste it. Like, they didn't even have the money to <laughs> smash the squib more than once. And I was thinking back to a different Clive Barker film. I mean, Stuart, you mentioned Hellraiser, but I was thinking about one of, I think it may be Stuart's first now playing review ever, The Midnight Meat Train. Bradley Cooper? What's this got to do with that? Well, I was thinking about actually Vinnie Jones and his big hammer oh. that he used to kill people. Why? Because they both have hammers? Yes, and they <laughs> are both very low-budget films. You are really free associating tonight. I gotta say, I can't blame you. This movie will make your mind wander. It's got that power. You can't possibly pay attention to it. I don't even know how I got through, but yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Yes, they both have hammers. So does Thor. Did it remind you of Thor? <laughs> no, but I'm thinking about, I was with Jacob thinking a rubber mallet was silly, but then I got thinking about Midnight Meat Train and realizing that it is a astonishing weapon of death. <laughs> <laughs> astonishing. It's really, this, Stuart, this is an elaborate April Fool's Yeah, prank. I just, agree. Just... <laughs> I'm getting punked right now, and I'm just not going to rise to the occasion. All right, Arnie, you're, you're astounded. So am I. Let's move on. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm frightened. I'm not saying I'm even... It, just for the first half hour, I was giving this movie the benefit of the doubt. Whereas both of you, probably because after seeing The Mangler 2, how could you not seem to be sitting there with your arms crossed like, this is cheap shit, I just want to get through it. I went in, again, I'm open to experimental filmmaking and seeing independent, <laughs> low-budget films. And when I reset my expectations and started to see this as one of those poorly acted kind of poorly made up-and-coming films. If this had been a student film instead of a studio film, I think you guys would be talking different. Yes, Artie, you're, you're saying if we lowered our expectations to expect shit, well, this might not smell as bad as some other stuff we've done. I didn't go in expecting a masterpiece. I didn't think we could get lower than Mangler, too. I honestly thought, okay, it's not going to get worse than that, and ugh, it does. Yeah, this is easily, well, one of the worst films we've ever reviewed, but I think it's horrifying to me that you're equating John Carpenter with this filmmaking. John Carpenter with Halloween was heads and tails above this, but some of the use of silence and some of the use of camera setups and a lot of it taking place all in one house was very Halloween to me. The hammer being hit over the head and the constant feeding of bodies into something was very Texas Chainsaw to me. And a lot of the bad sound and bad look of the film and everything was very, you know, Desperado or Crispin Glover to me. So I was seeing in this film elements in other films that I've liked. And so for, I'd say, the first 30, 40 minutes, I thought this might be a 
conditional change my standards recommend much like the night shift collection the godfather had a script this had a script i I guess there's something similar between the two i want to make it clear every single film in the night shift collection is heads and tails above this filmmaking every single one i agree with you i do agree with you but i don't think that they were necessarily better made so much as they were better written because i kept saying okay i want to see where this film goes I was going to give it all of these low-budget things, all of these seemingly indie gimmies, but I wanted to see where the story goes. Unfortunately, the story, as you alluded to earlier, Stuart, or said outright, there really isn't one. Mm -mm. And I was very, very disappointed with the repetitive nature of this film after the 30-minute mark, because up to about 30 minutes, I'm intrigued as to what are they trying to do. Headley's eaten by a machine, Headley's still alive, Headley kills his wife, Headley still has a job, Headley <laughs> is kidnapping his customers, and then all of a sudden, whiplash-inducing, what? Two house robbers. <laughs> I'm right there with you, Artie. I was, I didn't have the high hopes you did, but I'm like, okay, let's see where this goes, and then we get to Rick and Mike. And this, how long did they sit in this car? I I really, you know, you're talking about all these indie films. I'm like, oh, this dude's trying to go all Tarantino and like have this whole discussion in this car. I was thinking Pulp Fiction and not favorably, but it felt like a Pulp Fiction wannabe scene with two criminals. It's the restaurant scene from Pulp Fiction. Wouldn't it be amazing to rob an unlikely place? We saw Tim Roth do it in a diner. And now we're seeing two guys who surprise us by gabbing on about cigarettes and whatever the twist is we don't rob mansions anymore we rob shitholes that doesn't seem like a profitable venture right i agree that's it is unexpected i will give them that it also seems yeah destined to fail and this is where we get reggie bannister who on the commentary they kept going on and on about how this is the guy from phantasm i thought he might have been the director as well as he was acting i thought maybe they got a a behind the scenes guy to do a scene no no he's an actor kind of yeah long list of uh (laughs) credits for horror movies i really haven't seen so they break into this house and instantly he sees handprints of blood on the wall and he's not like i'm gonna get the fuck out of here no no he walks by him all at first he doesn't notice yeah that's the joke is it, 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 it we instantly see it he's walking around oblivious trying to find things and opening up drawers and finding cell phones and id and medical bracelets all that stuff it takes him a while to realize that he's in quote a mousetrap that this has been designed i was confused because it's so cheap i was confused when he looks out the window and it's bricked off and so obviously particle board i didn't know whether it was supposed to be real brick or whether it was just meant to keep the light out but this is a prison he is trapped there's no way that he can get out that's supposed to be real brick and mortar on all the windows yeah and that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me i mean if you're picking a standard door lock and you're walking through you're obviously not walking through brick and then you go back to that door and you try to go out and it's suddenly bricked up that is just confusing no i don't think the door is bricked up it had that spring on it so you couldn't open it from the inside and so he looked at the windows see hadley's a tinkerer what we're supposed to have gotten is that he just fiddles with stuff so he would have been able to design an entire house 
that is a contraption that would seal you up and that, you know, even though it looks like any other house, there would be no way out of it. That's what I'm taking from this. They just don't have the budget to convince me that this is that house. What confused me, like, Rick walks up, you know, he's the, he's, his character trait, not his character arc, but his character trait is that he picks locks. That's his thing, and he has a bad ponytail. And he looks at this door, how is he going to get in? It's got two deadbolts. He's never seen that before. I'm like, that's what you do for a living. You pick locks. You've never seen a house. I got two deadbolts on my door. (laughs) It, It seems so weird. And then he gets inside, and yeah, that thing... The door just kind of opened. Yeah. Like, is the house inviting him in? Yes. Is that the trap? Does it know he's there? Yeah, that's what I take it, is that they've had burglars before, that this is actually built and constructed to lure in house burglars. <laughs> and that, yeah, he didn't pick that lock. That door opened to get him in there so it could trap him. That's the way I took it. Which makes no sense, because... None. <laughs> Absolutely none. How often is this shithole house robbed? Yeah, exactly. I can believe there's two idiots that want to rob a dump, but how many more could there possibly be? It's worth pointing out this is a house, a real house, and not a set. And you feel that here. And It's too narrow. The rooms are too small for them to move around and have camera placement that allows them to get any good shots here. This literally feels like a cramped college pad or something like that. You said they use this place to shoot porn? Yeah. Mm. Where would they even fit that in? I, <laughs> I can't even imagine. Is there room for a bed? What's really funny is the house owner said they couldn't put fake blood on the walls of the bedrooms. Whatever else happens in those bedrooms, he doesn't care. <laughs> so how do they get away with uh, what's on the walls? That's the hallway. That, that was by the stairs. Yeah. They were very huh. upset. They wanted to paint the rooms red with blood. Nope. No no blood in the bedroom. Oh, okay. But the blood in the hall is fine? Yeah. Okay, these, are, these are strange rules. All right. There ain't no porn that takes place in the hallway. <laughs> mm, I see. All right. Yeah. The value is in what goes on in the behind closed doors. Okay. I get it. Sort of. Yeah, all these shots just, they feel, I, I guess there was no other way to shoot them. You can only stand in one place because this is a real house and everything's so narrow. I feel like I'm watching the same shot over and over and over. And if this, we're not going to say low budget, if this wasn't so amateurish, if director with some vision, I, I think they would have found a way to work with that space to make it feel claustrophobic instead of just watching like my dad's home videos. Not that my dad has home videos of locked up women or anything, but you know what I mean. Just <laughs> I, I do. This feels like when I was a kid and got a camcorder and ran around the house and said, I'm making a horror movie. This is really not functional for a feature film. It's not professional. What I find really confusing, so there's a girl in this house. It's not Jamie. We spend all that time with Jamie. I'm like, is she dead now? Like, we introduce <laughs> another character. We went from Hadley to Jamie to Rick and... Gwen, you're talking about the woman that's in the room when Hadley comes home with Jamie. Yeah, I guess he just keeps doing it. Jamie is only one of a series, and we can presume that there have been many uh, a woman ground up in the tinker room, is what I'll call it. The, the place where he's reassembled the parts. I guess it's fresh meat because he only likes to drink fresh blood when he's hungry. I'm confused about his whole plan to keep them around like that. I realize because this house is so small, they wouldn't have been able to reconstruct the mangler. I mean, that thing was enormous in the first film. It was the size of a house in and of itself. But 
what has he assembled? When we finally get a look at it, it's a lot of kitchen appliances that like are on strings or something. They like they like stick you about nine different ways before you just thrown into a grinder anyway. What's the point? I don't understand what the design is. There, yeah, that thing ain't gonna press any sheets. Yeah, I, I, this place could use some cleaning. It's really actually unfortunate that it doesn't wash walls. Yeah, I was a bit bummed out by the lack of design i mean the original mangler was huge first of all just ginormous and it actually served a purpose to do industrial sheets this thing yeah it it looks just like what it is puppetry and cutlery yeah and also that they can basically juice someone down to a mason jar to put over your cereal i mean there's got to be better ways to drain blood i mean hell fright night too had a better system than what this has. I mean, this is a highly inefficient machine if you wanted to mangle humans and drink their blood. There's like a whole slidey thing later, like Jamie actually like goes down like it's a water park or something like that. There's like goes to the basement like a laundry chute. I couldn't even tell you. Yeah, it's it's like tapped into the pipes or something. You see Hadley like mm-hmm. flipping pipes around. I don't I don't understand what the point of this thing is. Yeah, I agree. If this is it reborn, even the mangler has gotten worse. What hasn't gotten worse in this movie? I hope that question's rhetorical because I don't have an answer. Yeah, no, it is. <laughs> it feels like carpenter's halloween at times perhaps <laughs> some would argue <laughs> you still got a mood <laughs> i got a mood i'm in a real mood it's 40 minutes and nothing fucking has happened well this is where i start to lose my temper because <laughs> i was giving this film the benefit of the doubt for about a half an hour yeah you were <laughs> and it's about at the 40 minute mark that i realize this film isn't going to do anything now I should mention, I have seen a movie about a professional house thief who breaks into a house where depraved killings is going on. So you have the thief trying to escape the murderer, and because he's a thief with a heart of gold, tries to help a captive who's in the house being tortured. That film's called The Collector. I I actually give it a not recommend, but it's fucking miles (laughs) above this thing. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) On the comparative scale, it's looking like an Oscar winner. It was a weak not recommend, and it got a sequel. It's from the makers of Saw. And once the thieves break into the house, I just keep thinking about this other movie that did the same thing immensely better, even if the end film wasn't great. So... I hoped that this film might go somewhat along those lines, but literally what we have for the rest of the movie is someone breaks into the house. That person then tries to leave. When they try to leave, they're caught by Headley and fed to the machine. Wash, rinse, repeat four (laughs) times. Right. And you know what? I was literally (laughs) taunting this film at this point. (laughs) I was so sick of seeing keys fiddled about and people hit on the head with the mallet. I went and did my laundry. (laughs) I'm like, I am not afraid of no laundry machine. Watch me do it right now during this film. Like, yeah, it's there's a bunch of characters and the exact same thing's going to happen to each one of them. Yeah, it's depressing. Again, you can't make this great, but you can make this compelling. You could, by giving us an interesting character in Jamie. All right, Jamie was someone that got left behind so her journey must be about being self-sufficient maybe she's going to learn how to a washing machine works or something you you build a character trait you give her a 
challenge to overcome here. But literally, she spends the whole movie waiting around just to go into the grinder. And in the meantime, we'll grind up some other people you don't care about either. It's, yeah, one after the other, almost in slow motion. I can't believe how long it takes for nothing to happen. But yeah, we get basically about five different kills, none of them satisfying, none of them telling us who we're watching. But again, don't you think that what the filmmakers are trying to do, they're failing, I want to be clear, but they're trying to give us that Texas Chainsaw kind of horror where you've got the bodies just being ruthlessly killed and Hadley is supposed to be our Leatherface? Ah. I just don't know. I, I get what you're saying, Arnie, because at times I felt like this, again, this is a real grindhouse, splatterhouse film with, if there's a real production crew behind this, there might have been some kind of enjoyment for it. I, I, I did see potential. This isn't meeting that potential, but I, I do get what you're saying, but they utterly fell at every moment to do that. It would be too difficult to debunk all of this, but I would just say that a lot of time was devoted to Texas Chainsaw setting up who we were to follow and trying to get us to like them. I mean, maybe you didn't like the squealing guy in the wheelchair, but by and large, we had different types that were being set up for the slaughter. And here, everyone's generic. I don't know who these people are. I don't buy the performances. I'm not compelled in how they're experiencing being trapped here. It feels monotonous. It, it has a joyless, soulless quality to it as it puts people through the ringer. I figured we were supposed to like Jamie because they showed us her tits and watched her getting dumped. Okay. They weren't even her tits, though. No. And <laughs> Mike, I kind of feel bad for Mike. His dad just died, and they seemed pretty close. Yeah, these are the most photogenic people in the cast, so I think, yeah, that's what translates as, oh, well, there's going to be a, a romance that blooms or something, right? But no, that guy's gone very quickly. I think he's got 10 minutes before he's being mashed. Yeah, he crawls around in the vents yeah. for some reason. But it, he's mashed up. I mean, they don't take the time to give us the kinds of people we want to see live. I mean, even Hadley's daughter shows up. Have we even talked about her? I mean, just here's another victim, just shows up out of nowhere, knocks on the door, and more meat for the machine. Wait, has she been gone for years, or one night, or what? <laughs> like, she's the one that calls earlier. Hadley conveniently leaves the house so that the kid can go break in and try and find his dad. But that was just, you know, an excuse. Hadley goes out to find her. He doesn't. He comes home. She walks up. Just at the moment that Jamie's at the door and can tell her what's going on, I, I don't know. Again, it's a procession. This feels like a parade into a meat grinder. It does not feel like a story that's evolving. Right, and that is my problem as well, is I wanted escalation. Yes. And not repetition. Here's what's funny is, I'm just putting this together, porn was shot in this house. Porn is much the same way. Yeah, the, a manufactured quality, right. No, no, you bring someone into a room, they fuck. You bring someone else into a room, they fuck. Replace fuck with throw in the grinder, it's the same thing. Yeah, I, I see that there's, yeah, a real joylessness to it all. I'm gonna give it a little bit of credit for the death of the daughter. Again, got a real Texas chainsaw feeling after he puts the nails in her head and drags her up the stairs. Can I just intervene here and say, you didn't recommend Texas Chainsaw. Every time you bring up how this has the goodness of Texas Chainsaw, I want to vomit. 
This is no, I don't like Texas Chainsaw, and I see a lot of it here. So I'm thinking you should be the one defending this, but you're not. So I gotta do it. Exactly, cause it's not Texas Chainsaw. <laughs> it's I see in this what I saw on Texas Chainsaw. Drop it, Arnie. <laughs> it's a pile of shit. <laughs> I thought for sure Jamie would at least get a good fight in. You know, we've we've had enough screen queens, you know, at the climax, turn it around and she would get one in on Hadley. Although, how much fun is it to beat up on Hadley? I mean, he looks like the stand-in <laughs> for Will Patton or something. But he is the Terminator, right? Like, at one point, he gets his face scratched, and I think he's a robot underneath. Is That's why he's <laughs> drinking the blood to repair himself? That's why he's drinking the blood. I don't know about the robot underneath, but maybe. I don't know. He says he is the machine. He is the mangler. Yeah, he is the machine. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I took him as, like, a robot like that, although semi-flesh. Yeah, but there's nothing exciting. I mean, she hits him on the head with a board and it like sticks in his head, but nothing exciting. Nothing as good as Lance Hendrickson on cables. And that's saying a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I was a bit disappointed with the end, though. The fact that Jamie and Headley are struggling and they just both go in. That's not a really good ending here. Well, it's not the ending. Hadley lives. That's even worse. I was getting there, but yeah. Yeah, well, although I'm not sure it's Hadley. If you look, they're all insert shots. They're all shots of hands and stuff. I'm not even sure they had the actor back. But somebody in a washing machine repairman suit walks up to a yellow house and rings the bell. I mean, we're meant to imply that this monotony will continue endlessly. One household at a time, he'll get to you. Wouldn't it be cooler? I mean, anything probably would have been cooler than yes. what we get here. But seeing like all the victims and they're all repairmen or something now that it's multiplying. Like, it, don't just give us what we got at the beginning. You know, the, I think that's the thing with horror films. You get that last shot. It's always the monster comes back. It's a little bit different, though. It's stronger now. It's going to get us in that next sequel. Like, do something here. It's just, nope, here's another shot of Hadley. I don't care about Hadley. I don't care about this mangler. Why? Ugh. This ending is not satisfying at all. So, Jacob Stewart, do you recommend The Mangler Reborn? Jacob. Good things will come. No, they never did. <laughs> There's never no hope of anything ever good coming from this film. I mean, I was shocked that these films just got worse and more. I did, one was bad, two was, in my opinion, even worse. We all agreed there were, that one was bad, whether we liked it more than the first one or not. But this man, I I didn't think it could drop this low, but it does. It if if you want to know how not to do a film, I guess. I'd recommend to see how not to do characters, that characters need arcs and motivation and things need to happen in a film. This is just endless killing. Arnie, you said this was a house used for porn. Well, that's what we get here. It's just manufactured death, but it's, it's not saying anything. It's, it's incompetent. It's amateurish. Strong, 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 not recommend. Stuart. Yeah, that's exactly right. Is I did not think we were going to get anything more amateurish than those student films. I didn't think that we would cover anything this unprofessional, but this is a new low. I mean, honestly, this may be... It's easily the worst Mangler film. It probably is the worst King film. It may be the worst film we've ever covered. I mean, it is just bottom of the barrel. We still have Prime Directives. No, no, this is worse than that. Way worse. Come on. Prime Directives had something. I mean, they've had professional actors doing something. And I mean, no, we may have seen worse, but this is unexcusable. I mean, this is just the most offensive to me. And that it could keep coming. 
you know, that like I'm just $10 short of having to watch somebody film their neighbor with a bloody squeegee and calling it Mangler 4. I mean, how the fuck they can keep releasing this? It's unbearable to me that this movie was put out by Lionsgate. It's unconscionable that that company would say that this was a film that people should pay for. It's unforgivable. And, and I don't. I said at the start of the Mangler that this could be the worst trilogy of all time. I stand by it. This movie proves it alone. By itself, anything with a movie this bad would be the worst trilogy. When you tack on Mangler 2 and the original Mangler, yeah, this is the biggest waste of time I've ever done for now playing. This movie's atrocious. I'm going to be slightly more forgiving of it just because of the budget. You know, I think these guys who did it like horror and tried to make good horror. They failed, but they tried. So kudos for trying maybe grandma olga liked it did you see they dedicated it to the grandmother (laughs) but i just think this movie went nowhere and that is its problem is i understand you have a lack of money you have to have a single set going on but at some point it's like they just stopped writing the script and introduce character to have them go through the same exact motions. There's no escalation in this film. You could have walked out to do your laundry, Jacob, and not pressed pause and come back in. And maybe the hair color of the female victim has changed, but that's about it. Oh, I didn't press pause. Oh, <laughs> good. <laughs> I'd still say I prefer this to part two, though. Oh, God. Seriously, first of all, it's a lot shorter. But second of all, I prefer people trying to do what they can on a low budget versus, again, that kind of necropolis type of thing. I mean, we're talking splitting hair degrees. But yeah, I agree. I'm not going to fight you on this because I know you don't really even mean the kind things you're saying about this. People <laughs> are trying to do things. I, come on. They're not succeeding, but they're trying. At least I felt there was more of an artistic ambition from horror fans in this film than the sheer commerce sci-fi level crap of the last one but yeah you're right in saying that there's no moment in this movie as good as lance hendrickson on wires either yeah asking for sex (laughs) who can resist (laughs) but yeah what you what you're really saying is that you found the behind the scenes commentary more believable this time than last time no even before the commentary i had these feelings though Okay. I really did. I, right. Again, the films that I brought up as comparatives, admittedly, all better comparatives than this. Yeah. Some I've recommended, some I haven't. All better than this, but I saw this as aspiring to that. So kudos for trying. You failed. Not recommend. And I say they shouldn't have ever tried. Yeah, it's amazing to me how far you can go when you start with a bad idea. It can only snowball to hell. I mean, the Stephen King story was bad. It was a bad story. It never should have been a feature. And now we've had to contend with three of them. Boy, am I excited to leave this behind. I already wanted to see Captain America. Now I can't wait to put anything in front of my eyes and wash away the stink of what we've just gone through. Yeah, I mean, I will agree. This may very well be the single worst made film we've ever reviewed. I, when I compare production quality and talent versus entertainment, well, 
I might have been a little too harsh on the last one by saying this one was better than that. It, it's it's so close. It's too close to call. So I want to leave this mucking shit and try to stop picking out my peanuts. Right, exactly. I want to talk about a good movie as well. Mm. What we've been through. I, gentlemen, I mean, I don't know that I can even rank them, but I guess two, one, three, I guess, is what the rank is from Angler. Me, it's one by a mile above. I mean, that was a weak recommend, but I recommended it, and I had no idea that we'd fall so far so fast. For me, it's one, and then photo finish between two and three <laughs> at the way bottom. <laughs> yeah, one, two, three for me. One being the least worst, and three <laughs> being the most worst. Again, I didn't want to pick through these peanuts. Can we just yeah. leave? Yeah, we're done. <laughs> Washing the hands. Scrubbing it from the mind. It never <laughs> happened. I just do want to remind our listeners, we've got better stuff coming. I know some people complained when we did Prime Directives that we spent too much time on shit. I'd rather have had three more Prime Directives than two of these Mangler films. But we've got some good stuff coming up. We've got Captain America, the Winter Soldier, next week. We've got Sometimes They Come Back, which I was I thought that would be the lowest point. But the Mangler is actually making me <laughs> up to sometimes they come back. Oh, wait a minute. You've seen that one? Sometimes they come back? I've seen part of the first one on CBS. Oh, my God. It, it's oh, I, That was my only hope for maybe giving a recommend for the rest of Night Shift. If that's bad, oh, Jesus. And, no, no, I'm not saying that. I just, I wasn't looking forward to the trilogy, shall we say. No. We've we got to get through that. And then, yeah, we'll be into the summer films and the donation drives and a lot of films that, yeah will be challenging and stimulating and have nothing to do with washing machines. It's looking up. So we will be back next week with Captain America, the Winter Soldier, Jacob Stewart. Thank you for joining me. And until next time, there's a little bit of you in this podcast. A little bit of this podcast in you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing, and we hope you've enjoyed the show. Once again, the internet is my friend. Come to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week as we review another film based on the works of Stephen King. So for hours and hours of unheard evil, download now. Also, visit our sister podcast at BooksAndNachos.com where you can hear Arnie's reviews of the original books and short stories on which these films are based. The answer is in that book. Just go for it. You can hear more movie reviews at our website, NowPlayingPodcast.com. In our archive section, you can find our reviews of the Friday the 13th series, A Nightmare on Elm Street series, the Transformers films, Star Trek, The Avengers, Rambo, Rocky, and more. Find hundreds of movie review podcasts at NowPlayingPodcast.com. It's what you and everyone your age really needs. While at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums where you can discuss this review with other listeners. Why don't we just go over there and talk to her? Do it for me. Come on. You can also follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where the hosts post new episode announcements and written movie reviews. Welcome to the club. Oh, how 
The links to our social media pages can be found at nowplayingpodcast.com. <laughs> that sounds like a whole lot of fun to me. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Support from listeners like you help keep Now Playing operating. Cash will work. You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. Payment in full. You can also show your love of Now Playing Podcast by shopping in our store, where you can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, totes, boxers, mouse pads, and much more. Tell me what you want, what you really, really want. You can also help out Now Playing by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. Lay it on me. A link to Now Playing's iTunes listing can be found at nowplayingpodcast.com. Seems very simple. Yes, actually. Now Playing's Mangler Retrospective Series is edited by Arnie. Life's a bitch. Then you die. Get him back to work. Yes, sir. We're behind schedule as it is, goddammit. Yes. I got deadlines, George. Never enough time around here, never. Now playing credit narration by Brock. I can feel you talking to me right now. The film discussed in this podcast is the property of its original copyright holders and no infringement is intended. Now playing podcast is not affiliated with the makers or distributors of these films. Alex, they can't trace it back to me. Buried my covert work with encryption software so deep the FBI couldn't even crack it. And just in case they ever did, I used an anonymous proxy to hide my true eyes on the the opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. This is bullshit, Mark. Reality? Bullshit. Bullshit. Reality. This is bullshit. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production. Copyright 2014. All rights reserved. And no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. First there is God, then there's country, and then there's the law. There's a little bit of me in that machine, and a little bit of it, and me. But no, this was a theatrical film, and... Mm. No, 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 what the fuck did I say? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Straight to video. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't imagine what kind of theater. A home theater, perhaps. <laughs> That's where I watched it, in my home theater. This is the guy from Phantasm. I thought he might have been the director as well as he was acting. I thought maybe they got a, a behind-the-scenes guy to do a scene. No, no. He, he's an actor, kind of. Yeah, long list of uh, <laughs> credits for horror movies I really haven't seen. I mean, even Phantasm, it's been a while. Was he the young kid or the older guy? I couldn't even remember. Who can say or care? Maybe we'll do a Phantasm retrospective someday and you'll look back favorably on The Mangler. <sighs> Unlikely. <laughs> no, about the latter. We'll probably end up doing Phantasm next week. <laughs> <laughs> but not Hellraiser. <laughs> was it better than the Aviator? <laughs> he had to pause. It was shorter. He had to pause. It was shorter. So yes. Wow. Oh, fuck. Oh, no. fuck. This April Fools. Come on. Say yeah. It. Exactly.